Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all slumping. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. U.S. equities on cautious footing. The S&P down two points now at 2472, a drop there of one-tenth of one percent. The Dow down 51, down two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ is down 23 down four-tenths of one percent. The 10-year up 5.30 seconds, the yield 2.24%, gold up 19.30 the ounce. Haven assets advancing, gold now at 12.78 the ounce, up one and a half percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up 38 cents a barrel, 49.55 on WTI. That is a gain of eight-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, Bloomberg Markets is brought to you on the ETF report. Bloomberg Markets is brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Well, minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Hurricanes can hit oceanfront property, and they can also strike junk ETFs. Listen, they're called junk bonds for a reason, and I think, you know, in inside the industry, there's some professionals who are worried about the high-yield debt ETFs having a problem when there's a real sell-off, because how could the ETF be so liquid when the underlying isn't as liquid? Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst Eric Bolchunas calls it a valid concern. If you take HYG, the BlackRock high-yield debt ETF, only 20% of the bonds in there trade every day, and only 60% trade on any given day. That is totally different than the equity side of the market or treasuries. So it is a legitimate fear. HYG has been up about 5% over the past five years, but Belchunas warns that the ETF is especially sensitive to interest rates and credit concerns. When a hurricane hits, it's going to hurt. I mean, if you look at HYG, it's had about a dozen days below 3% drops. So that, to me, is the bigger takeaway. Don't buy this thing. I equate it to beach property in uh, Florida. A lot of benefits, but you better expect an occasional hurricane. I'm Jenna Dagenhart, and that's your Bloomberg. ETF report. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. Yes, that's George Gershwin's summertime. Uh, that would be Fresh Prince, I believe, Corey. Same thing. All right. Anyway, it was summertime. And it is summertime. So Michael Sheldon's with us right now, Chief Investment Officer of RDM Financial Group, looking at summertime and selling May and go away maybe wasn't the best advice in this time, summertime, when it comes to equity markets, Michael. Well, uh, right now I think we're as we look ahead, we haven't had a we haven't had a five percent or a ten percent pullback in some time, and on average the markets experience a five percent pullback about every seven months or so, and a uh, 10% pullback or more about every 24 months or so. So we're maybe a little bit overdue, but I think the bigger picture really for us is that we don't see a recession ahead. Michael, Corporate I, profits are rising at a healthy pace. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sure. I, it, corporate profits look good. Uh, you're optimistic on that? Yeah, corporate profits are rising at a double-digit rate. Uh, we've now had about 85% of the companies report second quarter results, and EPS are once again uh, rising at a double-digit rate which are higher than estimates going into the quarter. Revenues are up about 5%, and margins actually surprised on the upside by about 38 basis points or so. I think some of the other things to point to are credit spreads remain very healthy. The Fed's raising rates, yes, and that could be a longer-term issue, especially as they wind down their balance sheet. But right now they're taking a gradual approach. And one of the factors we keep an eye on 
is the conference board's leading economic index. The LEI comes out every month, and it basically forecasts the direction of the economy over the next two to three quarters. And right now, that's increased for 10 months in a row. So right now, we, we remain optimistic. Uh, we remain constructive. But we're aware of the fact that uh, some kind of pullback or market correction may be in the cards before too long. But it's, it's hard to time a correction. You have to get the right time to get out of the market and the right time to get in. But So overall, we're constructive. But um, aware the market may be in for a little bit of a bump or two. So what do you do? I mean, are there things you don't want to own given that? I mean, I, I'm really surprised to see, for example, the strength of Netflix today after uh, an important um, uh, business partner, Disney, announces plans to not only not be a business partner in some very important ways anymore, but also, uh, uh, you know, compete with them very directly. Well, we can't. Unfortunately, we can't talk about individual companies. But, but in terms of broad, right, so let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to make it easier for you. Let's let me put, okay. make it easier for you and say, if we okay. look at Netflix, if we look at Tesla, if we look at uh, some of those momentum stocks that have carried a lot of this market, what's happening there that they're still carrying this market, and do you still want to be in those stocks? If you're saying this is a possibility of a sell-off. Well, it's interesting. I wrote a blog about the, the fact that there, there's been a lot of press about the FANG-type stocks and a, a small, narrow group of growth stocks have been leading the markets. And if you look back over the past 5, 10, or 20 years or so, the number of stocks or the percentage of stocks that are creating the majority of gains this year is actually not that different than what you've seen over the past 20 years or so. Yes, some of these growth stocks are getting a lot of the, a lot of the press and a lot of the market buzz, but, but overall there, you know, until just about a couple of weeks ago when we started to see a little bit of weakness in the small caps and the transport stocks, the alt, the advanced decline line for the S&P 500, which looks at all the stocks rising on an ongoing basis, uh, was at all-time highs. So we, we have been seeing fairly broad participation, but the leadership has been in those FANG stocks. And I think the reason for that, it's, it's really interesting to look at, is growth, last year value outperformed growth. But this year, growth is one, once again outperforming value. And the reason for that is, so far this economic cycle, GDP growth has only been about 2%. And when investors are unsure about the level of economic growth, they're going to sort of migrate towards these growth stocks, which can produce not revenue growth of 2 or 3%, but 10 or 20% over time. Wait, 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 so wait, wait, say that again. So when the GDP is crawling, growth stocks right? look hotter? Growth stocks... Growth stocks typically perform better because yeah. they're able to put up, no matter what the, despite the economic environment, they are able to put up more robust, more robust revenue and earnings per share growth because of the growth profile that they demonstrate. So, so, so the, to the corollary might be that the, the, the caterpillars of the world and the, the consumer staples and stuff aren't in a in a in a modeling GDP world aren't going to see a lot of growth because they will also model along, but that the, 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 the intrinsic story of, of a tech company changing something might, or a growth company might actually grow regardless of the economy. Well, every sector is a little bit different. In yeah. the case of consumer staples, for example, or utilities, which are two sectors that we're not overly inclined towards, both of those have above-average valuation levels right now, and they're also not putting up very strong revenue growth. So, both of those are sectors we're sort of staying away from. And uh, in, in terms of the growth versus value, that's a, that's a big story on the minds of investors. Growth is continuing to do well this year. And it, for value to really start to do better, we need to see a sustained pickup in economic growth. And we need to see stronger margins. We need to see more robust economic data on a sustained basis. 
And part of that could happen if some of the Trump plans come to fruition. But at this point, uh, the market's going up despite the economic plans from Trump really not coming coming through. So that growth that could help value will probably be more, more of a 2000. 18 event if it happens. I mean, it's pretty remarkable to see what has happened with the value trade because, like you mentioned, there was lots of optimistic there after Trump was elected, and that seems to have faded. But I also want to ask you about something that you've done with your portfolio that it sounds uh, is not in the uh, norm for your actions, and that would be adding low-cost ETFs. I was wondering if you could quickly walk us through what that decision was to add ETFs to your portfolio. And just about 30 seconds here. Thanks. Sure. Um, well, at RDM Financial, we believe it's important to focus. Uh, we think there's a place for both active and passive management. Uh, the majority of active managers have not outperformed the benchmarks, but we do a lot of homework on that. We kick the tires, and we've been able to find active managers that outperform. At the same time, we've also found some passive managers to complement those in areas of the market we th- that we think when you put together an entire portfolio, that that works uh, just as well. So we believe there's a place for passive and active invest and active investments uh, within a portfolio. Well, uh, certainly um, interesting times and lots of options out there. It's sort of amazing all the different types of uh, uh, things that one can put in a portfolio. These guys, um, uh, uh, interesting that you guys are looking across all platforms. Michael uh, Sheldon joins us right now, joining us. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate the chief investment officer from RDM Financial Group. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. I'm Bloomberg Radio with Corey Johnson and Danny Berger. This is Bloomberg.